How was your week? It's pretty good. Uh, I just got back from camping. Oh, wow. How was that? It was really nice. Yeah? Well, yeah. What about you? What would you do? I did some work. Uh, as you know, being a recruiter, uh, I sometimes have meetings on days off. Right. Uh, which I don't mind. Mm-hmm. I don't mind it at all. Uh, so you had some meetings this week? Yesterday and today. But otherwise, yeah, it was a pretty good pretty good week. I'm, yep. uh, I'm glad that you know the weather's gotten better. Because last yeah. Saturday, I uh, I was able to go out and play some touch rugby. Uh-huh. And that's always like the, uh, I want to say highlight, but yeah, mm. it's it's something that I enjoy. I enjoy the weight training, the exercise mm. I do. It always feeds back into my ultimate goal of getting mm. faster. Right. Building upon my acceleration off the mark. I'm watching mm. a lot of YouTube videos of uh, this guy named At. Uh, a YouTube channel called athlete.x and mm-hmm. he gives some really good advice so mm-hmm. I'm running up hills mm-hmm. more often now um, I found a hill near me I think I told you about that right Finding yeah, a hill. yeah you got, you got then, a nice uh, little hill there yeah I got a nice little hill near the park uh, yeah. and I get up there and I want to find another hill because they've got these guys the delivery guys in those vans uh-huh. Yeah. There's park. They park right there on the side. Yeah. I mean, it's not obstructing right. me, but it's kind of annoying mm. running past them and then walking down and making, mm. trying to avoid eye contact with the guy sitting there. I don't even know why they're there. Mm. But they'd go there just to fucking relax, I guess. Yeah. I Watching think some also, foreigner run past them. Yeah. I think it, it makes me self-conscious. I was doing a run, a run around uh, a lake yesterday, and when there's cars parked on the side of the road and you go to a sprint... It it just feels weird to pass people just standing there. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? Like, why am I doing this? What are you doing? Yeah, it's just a weird feeling. I'm doing this for touch rugby, right? Uh, I'm doing this with the ultimate goal in mind. But one one day I went out and there was another guy who joined me. I oh, really? Was, yeah, I, I'm not sure if it was a... I kind of been a marathon runner because he had too much muscle on him. But uh, uh-huh. I think he's, he had the same idea as me, running up hills mm. for mm-hmm. sprint capacity. Uh-huh. So he would take a two. He would go up. and I'd, you know, Because mm-hmm. every time after a sprint, I would take a two-minute break. Mm-hmm. So during that time, the two minutes, he's like fucking running up and coming down, walking down the hill. Mm-hmm. And his break time was like something like 20 seconds. So he'd okay. get in like a couple more sprints up this fucking hill. And, mm-hmm. uh, and after my two <coughs> minutes was done, I would just time it so that he wasn't going, going up the hill at the same time. Mm-hmm. Although a part of me was thinking, yeah. okay, maybe we should just race. <laughs> right. <laughs> Provide some you, competition me. for myself. Let's start. All right, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it right now. Gauntlet's been, the gauntlet's been uh, thrown down. Are you going to accept yeah. this challenge? Uh, you know, you could make, uh, if you go, did you ever hear of Strava? No, what's that? It's a running social network app. And if you join that, there are things called segments on it. And people will record a certain part and then make it like a challenge for other people to try to beat. So, for example, for cycling, it might be like a three kilometer section. And then whoever gets the fastest will be at the top of the leaderboard. And then you so you might find actually you might be able to look through that app and find hills where people run and like uh, do little sprints up it. 
And so then you could find out, oh, this uh, this Kenji guy, he's the fastest one up the hill or, you know, not number eight, number nine. Might, I don't know. Might give you some motivation. It's called you Strata? Some pe- yeah, Strava. S T R. Yeah, V-A. Yeah. Okay. So you might, uh, you might find it useful. You might actually find other hills and things. And yeah, the segments things is interesting because... Sometimes I, you know, I'll do longer things, longer loops, longer runs or cycles, and then I'll come back home and look at Strava, and say, "Oh, that's uh, that part of that was uh, a one-kilometer segment," and then I can compare my speed to others. And usually, I'm, I, I have a hybrid bicycle, so I'm usually like, I felt like I was going fast, but not compared to these people who are basically going as fast as the cars on the highway. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah, but uh, it's. Uh, I think you might might be helpful. Thank you. I'll check I that know. out. So, do yeah. I? I don't need like a, a special garment watch or anything. Oh I can no, just no. Use, you can like, use your, my iPhone to yeah, yeah. find out locations and just run, find yeah. out these locations and just run up there, up these right, hills. Right, right, right. Yeah, there's uh, there's there's a su- subscription thing, but I think you can get to the segments without the subscription. They recently, you know, everything's becoming subscription, but. Uh, there's uh, there's definitely there's a free part of it and um, you could just use it to talk you can just use the Strava app to record your runs or record your activities and after you look at it you might discover that other people are using that run or something like that Mm. so and what's also kind of good about it is if you're going far away from your house then you can just say like I I did this run, I went up this hill and then it's not no connection to your house. Usually I don't I keep everything private on it because I start running from my house. So I don't want everyone in the world to know exactly where I live. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> and at what time I leave my house. But uh uh it's interesting to see the segments though. So these segments are just over uh certain distances. So a variety certain distances of different distances. And usually it's people will make a segment on Strava and then it'll be public. And then other people, I found myself, I was cycling up this big hill. It's about 400 meters elevation uh, increase over the course, maybe five kilometers, pretty steep. And when I came home one day, I looked at it. Oh, it was like, oh, cyclists cycle this like for real training. Like I am like way down below. It takes me like 45 minutes to climb it on my bike and what well, it know, sounds like it's designed for cyclists then not for sprinters well like that's me. Yeah, i mean there's you can do it man there's oh yeah it's a it's a cycling and uh what you might call it uh running as well yeah i'm mentioning cycling because that those are segments that that's just coming to mind but yeah there's there's running segments as well so wow yeah you can take a look at it and you could choose like different routes like scenic routes or yeah, you can find that. Like, yeah, different. So it shows elevations as well. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Sh- yeah, it's uh pretty good. It's I think it's one of the most popular one uh, uh running and cycling apps mm. in, in the world, I think it might be. Oh wow. Uh, uh everyone like I have a Garmin watch, but you know people who use Sunto or Polar, they all use Strava. Hmm. They all, they all, because your watches can all sync up to that. Yeah, Apple Watch, you know, yeah, whatever the yeah. hell watch you have, it all goes. Everyone posts on Strava. Hmm. Uh, depends on how public you want to be. That's another right. issue. But, but you have there control are control pri- over your data. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, 
it, it, you have control over privacy. So right. you can you can say, oh, I don't I don't want to publicize where I run, but I want to have access to the segments. Mm, I don't want to share my blood type or uh, yeah. my weight, my dimensions, my weight, or uh, mm-hmm. eating schedule, or mm. my location, or my name, or my marital status. Mm-hmm. Or uh, whatever. Okay, good. Yes. So, yeah. I also bought some shoes. Did I tell oh, you about yeah, Zero well, Shoes? Yeah, you told me X- about these shoes. X-E-R-O. A couple of years ago, yep. I bought them. And then now mm-hmm. I got some new ones because these ones are um, a little bit frayed. Uh, mm-hmm. And there was like a new model that's designed for the road. and Because I'm running up these fucking hills, right? Mm-hmm. So I got these new shoes and oh, I was amazing. Because yeah. they're Zero Drop. You're familiar right. with Zero Drop. Oh, I'm familiar with that term, yes. Yeah, and yeah. I love them. I feel mm-hmm. like the arches of my feet have been strengthened. Uh, zero, mm-hmm. yeah, zero drop shoes are, I'm just sad that I wasn't able to get on the bandwagon earlier, the zero drop fad. I don't even know why. Um, I think I read somewhere that mm-hmm. it was this, having heels in your running shoes was yeah. a marketing ploy, I think by Nike, in the mm-hmm. 60s or 70s, where they right. came up with this idea for uh, jogging. Um, right. The heels, I think, have done an untold disservice to people. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Just even heels in general. We all know that heels are bad for women, but they look sexy as fuck. Uh, mm-hmm. but, but just having heels are not what humans were, I mean, through our evolutionary past. We, we right. never wore shit like this, which has mm-hmm. fucked up our gait fucked up our walking postures, fucked up our running styles. So ever since going into Zero Drop, I've I've just felt markedly better. I don't have any mm-hmm. problems like back problems or um, I feel just overall better um, in terms of my running form. But do you, do mm-hmm. you have any Zero Drop shoes? I mean, running yeah. shoes or uh, do you I still use, have a, I mean, a heel? I usually main... Uh, so there's different... So then there's hybrids of these things. Like I, I when I was camping, I was using these uh, New Balance Minimus to walk around in. And they have a four millimeter drop, but there's no cushion. It's mm. just the sole. So mm. it's like a kind of like a mix. It's really, you can't, I can't tell where the drop is when I'm walking in them. So then uh, why get four millimeters? Uh, I don't know, dude. I, I mean, it's because they just have it there. It's so, I, I've, I've, I run in zero drop shoes mostly with ultras. They have zero drop, but they also have stack height. I don't know what that means. Stack height means how high you are off the ground with cushioning. So it could be zero drop, but you're further mm-hmm. away from the ground. Yeah. Than, than normal zero drop shoes. Yeah. So there's the the idea. It just provides min- cushioning. Yeah. So there's the concept of the minimalist shoe. So the New Balance I run in, uh, or I walk in, or camp, or do camping in stuff like that. They're a trail running shoe. They're called the Minimalist Trail in the version one. And I really like them, and they they have good grip and all that kind of stuff. But I can't. Um, I, I you you have to be careful with those really minimalist shoes for a little bit longer distance running. I'm sure mm. sprinting is fine, but what I found that even if I try to do the little build up, I still mm. don't have enough strength in my in my feet, and what will happen is they'll swell up. So. Uh, because of the, even if you, you have to, you know, I'm doing the forefront strike. I've changed my gait and all that kind of stuff. But even with that, you have to be careful about transitioning to a minimalist shoe. 
The zero drop concept in the Ultra shoe is basically that cushion. So for me, it wasn't really all that hard. I just had to take a couple weeks to strengthen my calves, and then I was pretty much fine. But uh, how when did you I strengthen sw- your calves? Are you doing just weight training by, on your calves? Mm-hmm. Or? No, just getting just running shorter distances, so my calves get used to that kind of gait. Oh, I, I wasn't doing any. Yeah, so okay. properly stretching and then going out for a run and thinking, okay, I'm not going to take it too hard this time. And then, uh, and then after a couple of weeks, my I felt that my calves were really good, so I could just go full out doing all that kind of stuff. But the minimal issue, and I think the zero, the zero is a minimal issue. There's not a lot of cushion, right? The uh, XER zero brand that I get. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's very. Well, the difference between this model that I got versus the last mm-hmm. one is that there is a little more, I think it's a little extra cushioning. Yeah. Also, the sole is mm-hmm. designed specifically for the road. So I do right. feel more comfort there. I think it must be thicker than the last yeah. ones. So then we have all these, yeah, so you're getting into all these hybrids. But I, I remember seeing a zero, uh, the zero shoe online and then seeing like don't they have a guarantee a 5000 mile guarantee something like that yeah yeah i don't know what which that is means. basically i that basically <laughs> it's it's supposed to mean that like it, it will last that many miles forever. in distance yeah oh, is that so right? if you and also just the soul just the soul yeah. right okay so this is what you can do when you get your new shoes log on the strava on the computer on your the do use the computer uh, uh whatever uh, because on the app on the uh, smartphone apps they don't do it but you can register your shoe and then each time that you go out for a run you can record it'll record how long you've run with the specific shoe that you use so then you can see how many miles you actually accumulate and so if there's a five thousand mile guarantee on your shoes and they start ripping apart or whatever after 2000 miles you have evidence it's like my shoes only lasted 2000 miles i want my Mm. money back or i want another pair of shoes or whatever the hell their warranty is i use that a lot but um i don't like going to the strava website on the computer so garmin has another thing in their app so i find that much easier but if you're just using strava you can just go to your computer and just uh uh, add the shoe that you use for that specific activity. Mm, yeah, I think I, I, I think you're right. I did read about that. I don't, I don't remember the number of miles that it guarantees, but mm-hmm. um, the problem with the last one was just like not the sole itself, but uh-huh. just the the fraying around the the edges of mm-hmm. where the sole meets the the shoe. Well, well, that's so. bullshit, man. It's it, it? that's that should yeah. I think it should it should last you if they're saying. Well, again, we have to check, but I would say. Yo, you got this guarantee, and look. Ah, uh, you're frying. right. Yeah, I'm yeah. looking at the website. It's like a zero mm. shoes, five thousand mile sole warranty. So, but I have no you, idea since I got these shoes two years ago. I have no idea how uh-huh. many miles I've walked. <laughs> uh, you haven't been walked five thousand. I know. Can't walk five thousand <laughs> miles. Five thousand miles. Because even with runners, you think about it. Like last year, I was getting up to about uh, towards the end of the year, I was getting up to sixty mi- uh, sixty kilometers a week. And then on Strava, it told me that I had run like, I don't know, 1,800 kilometers. So for a runner who runs 40 to 50 kilometers a week, you end up getting close to 2,000 kilometers, which is about, what, 1,500 miles? 
There's mm. no way that in a person you're doing stretch, you're you're doing sprints, and then you are maybe meeting clients, and then maybe you are. I don't uh, mean clients doing touch, shoes. Yeah. But, so yeah. and then touch well, rugby. Do you Just do touch rugby? Around. Yeah, you're not. I don't play get, touch rugby in these shoes. I've got special yeah. other uh, rugby. Okay, touch rugby so shoes. you. You have done, you probably walked 500 kilometers, maybe, <laughs> maybe so. 500 kilometers in those shoes in one year. Maybe. Well, also, There's you, no you know that I don't get out very much because I'm working yeah, remotely. Yeah. Uh, right. I don't walk um, yeah, very long distances. You know what? I have my phone. Hang on. Let, let me check. You just keep talking. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, I think anytime they have a guarantee like that and it says for the sole of the shoe, which might be like very specific, but if it's a fraying from the sole, then how the hell are you supposed to use the shoe? And then they might say, well, that's, you know, unnatural occurrence and they might not cover it. So it might have to be that the shoe wears through from the, from the bottom of the sole. I got my health app on my iPhone. Oh. I got okay. my health app on my iPhone up and yeah. it says on average... Yeah. Every week, yeah, I walk four thousand one hundred and seventy-one steps. Every week. Every week. Okay. Okay. I do that in the morning. <laughs> and then I know. I know. I know. It's terrible. Yeah. I spoke to another. Fr- <laughs> another friend, and he couldn't believe what he was hearing. Uh, yeah. And then I do it for the month. So for the yeah. month, it's two. Wow. Actually, mm-hmm. I take my phone everywhere with me, right? Right. So this is actually really embarrassing, but uh, yeah. over the month it averages out to two thousand three hundred and seventy-five steps. Yeah, that's not for good, the year. Dude. For the yeah. year, it's uh-huh. two thousand three hundred and eighteen steps. No, well, that's better, I guess. I mean, I, but I, I would say uh, go outside more, <laughs> just to walk. <laughs> just wake up in the morning and just walk outside for ten minutes. You'll get a no. But steps I do right exercises there. at home, and yeah. uh, I like to do work at home, and I. Uh, walking outside. I only walk to the park so that I can walk, so I can run up that hill. Well, just every morning, just make a habit of walking 10 minutes outside. You get te- you get a thousand mm. steps right there. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I look for the time. So janakte. Yeah. No, I got my schedule. I put it on my calendar. I put it on my calendar. Why are you speaking Japanese to me? I don't know. When I get angry, <laughs> I start speaking Japanese. But look, I I think all you have to do is just go outside for ten minutes and walk. All you have to do, famous last words. All you have to do. Look, if you're gonna (laughs) say be negative about it, then don't take my advice. But ten minutes? What do you mean ten minutes? What do you mean ten minutes? Just getting outside and walking. What do you mean you don't understand ten minutes? Where am I going? Just go outside and walk for ten minutes. Anywhere in five minutes up and five minutes back. You ten minutes. What? Walking, getting more steps. We're going out loud. Yeah, but I'm, I'm doing yeah, weight training. Ja- and I'm, no, and like, I'm doing sprints. Yeah. I'm doing sprints. I'm doing I sprints up the hill. I don't care if you're doing sprints. I did 30 Go sprints outside. with two-minute breaks in between. I did 30 sprints. You Wonderful. can't say that you've done that. You've, you haven't sprinted up a hill 30 times. I can tell you that. Uh, yes, I have, actually. I did it yesterday. Oh, really? So, <laughs> yeah. That's what part of my uh, thing. I, 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 I did like I 10 know. kilometers and you, really? 55 minutes But your of idea of a sprint and my idea of a sprint are very different. I'm explosive. Yeah. And what about power? Whereas you, you'd go up there gingerly. You go up the hill like... Um, like you're, you're having a picnic on Sunday morning, like on a, yeah, on a okay, Sunday. Dude, whatever the fuck. You don't even know how fast you run because you don't even watch or whatever. But no, so it doesn't even matter. So now, now I'm just being mean. So, uh, but I'm just saying, if you you're you're talking about your steps, and you know if you're not if you're if you're working from home, you really should 
get a little bit more outside activity. Than That's probably why my sleep has suffered, right? It could be. I mean, like if you don't, your bodies are our bodies are meant to move. Mm. They're designed to move go somewhere. What's that? I do move indoors, and I've got my standing desk. You're sta- that that's but so okay so standing and walking are different things. Mm. Yeah, but I like pottering. You know, I like to potter around. Puttering, puttering, and walking are different things. <laughs> puttering, you just well, what is the image of puttering? Is that exercise? I, I, I do exercise. I do a variety of different things inside indoors. I'm walking around. Yeah, and you're getting two thousand. Probably adds steps. up. I'm it just like. No, but yeah, that's me getting steps. walking outside. But there are steps that I'm doing indoors too. So you can't that's discount fine. those steps. But in order to go, you just go outside, walk 10 minutes. That's all yeah. you got to do. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. All right. I'm not saying run. Advice, advice I'm not saying heated. sprint. Advice heated. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Got just it. accept it. I'm not even like, I'm not saying, oh, dude, you got to get some running shoes and run 20 kilometers a day. I'm just saying go out 10 minutes and you got all this resistance. Because <laughs> I fucking Why? hate walking. What? And it, you, know what walking you, said to me? you know what you just said walking to sucks. me? Look, you know what you just said to me the first, what, what do you mean 10 minutes? As if you don't <laughs> understand the phrase, walk 10 minutes. What is that? That doesn't make any sense. What do you mean 10 minutes? 10 minutes out of your day of puttering. You just told me I putter. You used the word putter. <laughs> okay, anyway. Yeah, yeah. But that's, but yeah. So that's basically uh, my week is uh, mm-hmm. I got my new shoes. I took them out for mm-hmm. a test run uh, awesome. with uh, the hill, and they're amazing. I feel, I feel like the cushion has really helped um, mm-hmm. with, yeah, not as much impact on the road. Whereas the ones right. before, there was very little mm-hmm. cushioning, so I really felt the impact. Whereas now, mm-hmm. there is, I think, I think on the road, road running, would you agree with mm-hmm. us? Road running, mm-hmm. you do need some cushioning, otherwise it's bad okay. for your joints. So this is the thing. This is like this is what we're getting into this realm of barefoot running, and this is uh, this concept that you know there there was this big kick uh, back about ten years ago because of this book written by Chris McDougall called Born to Run, and he followed these Terumara Indians in, that lived in these small villages in Mexico, I think it is. And they're a whole group of people who just wear these very thin sandals and they run 50 kilometers a day or something like that. And then scientists, uh, people start to postulate, well, maybe, you know, evolutionary speaking, we're not supposed to have all this cushion in our shoes. And this is what's destroying us. So a lot of people went out and they started running suddenly without building up any muscle in their feet and building, strengthening their tendons. And people got injured from it. So when you're looking at this, you have to realize... Were these people running on concrete? Yeah. But so... They're they're running on roads and things like that. So what? Uh, I mean, what where is, the, the study was based upon. I mean, the book. Yeah, Dougal, yeah, yeah. So it was based yeah, upon Mc, guys. Chris McDougal. Who no, these the, people are running through the hills. So there's oh, no. Roads. They're on dirt. Dirt. Oh, that's the main difference then. They were, they weren't running on concrete or roads. So, but 
there are people who and Chris McDougal has these videos on YouTube where he runs barefoot on roads and there's other mm. people who uh, say that they say that actually running on roads barefoot is better you just have to get used to it but other people they got into these minimalist shoes like the zero drop and your zero shoes and they started running longer distances without strengthening their feet first so not getting the tendon strength and not building up the muscle capacity not getting their feet used to it but apparently people who do get used to it and change their gait properly and really increase their cadence in running like getting up to like 180 steps per minute as opposed to 160 steps per minute that means that you're lower to the ground you're more gliding rather than hopping and by doing that you're you're uh, lessening the amount of pressure on your on your joints and when you start to go more barefoot people say there's a lot of conjecture about this but a lot of people say that it builds your strength and your arches and starts to let your foot act naturally as it's supposed to be as a, a natural shock absorber so it doesn't matter if you're on the road or on the dirt be, if your feet become accustomed to the barefoot style on the road, you'll be able to uh, actually absorb things properly. However, most people don't dedicate enough time to it. And so it leads to injury. It leads to broken feet, broken bones in the feet. Wow. Okay. Well, I just know that the additional cushioning, uh, I felt like uh, a lot more comfortable running up this hill on the road. Uh, right. whether it will have an impact on my knees where I'm where the force production from me mm-hmm. hitting the road maybe right. it's um, whereas before maybe I was compensating for that and I'm not compensating mm-hmm. it for it right now because of the cushioning mm-hmm. it could mm-hmm. be a mix of you know detriment and benefit I don't know I won't know mm-hmm. until I've run up the hill a, a few more times right uh, I got a few more steps in uh, with the 10 right. minute walks that you mm-hmm. prescribed yes just 10 minutes man Okay. Yes. But uh, yeah, I think, you know, one, one other, other studies have found that people who run in cushion shoes, what happens is their joints will feel more pressure. And the reason is because they don't notice how much force they're putting on their feet because there's cushion there. Mm. And so then that can lead to other problems. Right. So and, and it's not and it's not exactly there, there's other studies where it's it's not exactly the heel because the, the, the heel cushion. It's not exactly the heel strike. That's the problem. Most of the time, it's the positioning of the leg under the body. Mm. So if you are if you're running and your feet are ahead of you and you're doing a four foot strike, you could be doing just as much damage as someone who's doing a heel strike forward. Right. But if you if you're a forward if you're a four foot striker and your foot's in front of you and you're another person's a heel striker, but that heel where you're landing, your foot is under you, then actually that heel striker is causing less damage to his body than mm. the person who's doing the forefront strike. So yeah. there's there's a lot of different It's the same in that, sprinting. Yeah. In sprinting you want your foot the the foot that comes down after you've raised uh with dorsiflexion, you mm-hmm. got your you got your your knee up, and you're I mean you're not letting it drag behind you, but you're not mm-hmm. letting it get too far in front of you either. When right. you're in a sprinting motion, it's uh, 
it should it should be almost in, just slightly in front or below mm-hmm. below your torso. Right. Um, but but you should also be, and this is what I learned recently, is that you should be attacking as a sprinter. You're attacking the ground, mm-hmm. so you're not running as like a normal, you know, got a normal running posture in mind. It's more mm-hmm. like it's like a hammer. Your mm-hmm. leg that you raise is like a hammer, and you bring it up uh, before it touches the ground. You're actually applying that force. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I, I've been yeah. I, I've spent far too much time watching these fucking videos, but it's mm-hmm. just uh, I've been trying to uh, adapt what works for sprinters mm-hmm. to my style because it's about uh-huh. finding that balance, um, right. about my finding my perfect form with in combination with what works. But there mm-hmm. are some fundamental running basics that I've taken from a lot of these videos. Mm-hmm. Um, so my weight training has always been about that different weight training exercises focusing on shoulder presses and also bulgarian leg squats um Mm -hmm. nordic curls nordic curls Mm -hmm. are really good i got a bench where i can position myself to do nordic curls um those are really effective uh there's a guy on youtube called uh knees over toes he's really good knees over toes guy he's got these exercises he gives away for free he gives away all this Mm -hmm. information so i've been following a lot of uh what he prescribes for uh, to to help with any knee pain you may experience. Mm-hmm. And I haven't had knee pain since during a lot of the exercises that he has prescribed. Mm. Have you, I think oh, I told good. you about Knees Over Toes guy. Did you, yeah, you, ever, you did, have a chance yeah. to check him? Check out his no, video? No, I haven't, I haven't looked at him, but in the no, future really good. I will. Yeah. I, uh, you know, when I was in junior high school, I ran sprints. Did you tell me that before? Maybe. I'm sorry. I don't, I never, no, I don't remember. No, I ran... Uh, was it 100 meters? I don't know. I don't, yeah. Well, actually, there was these weight classes in my in my school district. So I actually ran what was the 75 meter. Okay. So, yeah. So I would place first. Fuck. In these. Well, and then do you remember the anchor. time? No, I don't remember the times. I just remember... I, I remember there was like... It was basically what, seventh grade a long time ago. So I remember placing first oh, many times and then i ran anchor for were my, you tall at that age or were you about the same height as other kids so it was the same height i was just light so uh the long distance thing for me has been a recent thing three years three or four years why did you get into long distance running i think we talked about that before yeah, i think yeah. it was about right. the fact that you had it's like a meditative meditative experience for you you release a lot of uh, endorphins, you feel good after a mm-hmm. run. You can't imagine not being able to run because it's a um, not so much a liberating experience as it uh, just helps center you. Yeah. Well, I think the first thing is, is like I, I bought a sports watch a few years ago for cycling and hiking, but then to justify the cost, I started running. Was that the Garmin <laughs> one? Yeah, uh, the Suntal. That was the Suntol. Oh, you got the Suntol first, and then yeah. you graduated to a Garmin. Yeah, I, I went. I, yeah, I migrated to a Garmin, and uh, oh, I said graduate as if Suntol is like a yeah, lower uh, class yeah. device. But well, is I, it the I, same I, level? Uh, yeah, I would say so. I mean, basically, there's more bells and whistles on the Garmin, and right now, the Garmin, uh, a lot of the higher end watches have suggestion workout suggestions for running, and that led me to for example yesterday uh was sprints so it was like 55 minutes and it it just guides you through all the you know the sprints so it's like 15 second 
running as fast as you can and then like a three minute cool down and then repeat and then i think i did nine sprints yesterday at 15 seconds each it was a warm-up for 15 minutes and then a cool down for 10 minutes and then after that i did a one mile i tried to race my best time for one mile and uh that was about it so though that's what's really good about that those garmin watches they have all these things and sunto is just really good because they have usually their uh, gps the older the older watches have really good gps catching Mm. Garmin watches take forever to catch. Uh, It'll take, you know, a minute or two. But my old Sunto watch that I don't use anymore, it's like instantaneous. You turn it on, it's it's up. But with the Garmin watches, you get all this kind of crap. Like uh, you can control music. You can put music on the watch. You can make workouts easily and download it to the watch. The route making stuff is pretty good. And, um, you know, when you send me a Zoom call message, I can look down and see it on my watch, which mm, is kind of nice. Mm. Uh, so, but I think as far as a strictly, if it's just strictly thinking about sports and activities, I think they're pretty similar. Yeah. Yeah, but there's also Polar as well, and they have a lot of stuff that's pretty good on their watches too. Poro, uh, Polar, Koros, Sunto, and Garmin are the, the main ones. So the only reason you got into running was because of the Sunto watch. Yeah, that's exactly it. And then I, I just see. started. And then one day, I was I was only running like maybe two and a half kilometers a day just to go home. And then one day, uh, it was just, I, I just started running. And I ended like up running Gump. Five, farther. It was just like I felt good. Yeah. And I just, I was like, huh, I can run six kilometers. I didn't, I had yeah. no idea. Cause I'd never been able to do sustain that kind oh, of distance. So, arro- so, so arrogant and self-absorbed. Like, look at me. Yeah. I'm a natural. <laughs> okay. I'm joking. I, just, I know you're joking. But I'm just waiting for you to end your joke. So, yeah. I mean, you're like, they're like, oh, saying? wow, six kilometers is nothing. Uh, uh, Jesus, right. Yeah, I should, I should it, enter it felt, a marathon now. Yeah, yeah. But it felt good to do it. And what I realized was like, there's this, all this, um, it's not like I would get injured when I was in junior high school because I was always trying to follow the fastest person. Mm. And what I realized, no, everyone has their own pace. Yeah. Everyone has their own limit and you shouldn't be if you basing your limit against someone else that's where you can get even more injured but also there's a bunch of other reasons but anyway yeah so please go on uh tell me other things that make me sound stupid please tell what do me you more. mean no i, <laughs> I think it's fascinating that you got into yeah. running from a watch mm. and you've gotten better and healthier as a result haven't you yeah, I think so. You feel better because uh, yeah. you did tell me that you did feel like a uh, more, um, like mentally sharper as a result yeah. of getting into running. It helps to alleviate yeah. a lot of stress that builds up in your right. job. Yeah, I think it, it just uh, yeah, it's mind clearing, and there's a se- there's a sense of accomplishment that also comes along with it, and uh, yeah, I just want to do it more it just feels good when i went yesterday i went camping and there's this big lake called lake motosu motosuko and it's about 12 kilometers around and it's just one of those things i enjoy moving a little bit more quickly and doing those sprints around it and just 
being in nature and being surrounded by uh, things that I, I like. Mm. How long so were you camping? Was it, it was just the night? Yeah, just the night. Yeah. Was it just uh, you and... Uh, a co-worker, actually. A co-worker, a co-worker. okay. Yeah. And what did you guys uh, we do up. while you were camping? Um, make a fire, obviously, with your knife? Yeah, I made a you got fire. Like a brand, you got a new knife that you showed me? Yeah, I got my knife, uh, so we over, uh, split some wood. Over Zoom? You show me once? Yeah. <laughs> Showing uh, off split, your knife? Split, split some wood. Uh, wow. Made some food. What, and, what, did uh, you, yeah, what did you have? What kind of food? Uh, cooked up some steaks. Mm. Oh, you, some, did you hunt uh, that? Around the area. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, got, I cooked yeah. that. I like hunted Joe Rogan a cow. style. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, a, yeah. Like a bow, like bow hunting. <laughs> yes, yes. With your well, actually, with your zero drop local, shoes. Yeah, yeah. Well, basically, what I did was I went to a local dairy farm and I oh. hunted a cow in a oh, stall. Nice. Yeah, wow. yeah. And I then I, I got cut some its milk on the open. side as well. Great. Yeah, yeah. Wash it down with. Wash down the meat with some milk. Mates cooked up some butter, drank some milk. Great. And uh yeah, so it was pretty good. And uh yeah, it was just a nice time. Did it was uh, busy. your your yeah. coworker bring their tent too? Or did you share Actually the same no, tent? we just shared a tent. Yeah. Mm. It was quite uh we were kind of lucky to get in because it, and it's a weird system over there because you don't need reservations. But uh, we we go to the reception and it was just this incredibly long line. We're like, "Okay, we just get in line." And we get to the the front and they're like, "Have you put up your tent?" Like, no. It's like, first you got to put up your tent and then come to the reception. So if you don't do that, then you might not actually have a spot because <laughs> it's all free area. So you actually have oh. to find a spot, put your tent up, and then go to reception. So we're like, we stood in line for 30 minutes. <laughs> and we have to go back and search for it. So we found a spot and we uh, Was it crowded? It was pretty crowded. It was pretty crowded. but Because oh, we we're going into the there. holidays. Yeah, yeah. Mm, so you got to be careful about that. Yeah. Were there but, other uh, foreigners camping or was it just yeah, you guys? I think there were a few. I saw a few white, uh, other white faces and I heard some Filipino being spoke, spoken. So there was a few other Tagalogs, I think is the term. Yeah. 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 Well, it's always, I always get confused about the, uh, the uh, what you call it, the stress on that word. Because I knew uh, Filipinos a while back. So I just say Filipino because... I know it's like Tagalog or oh, okay. Taga, taga. I'm like, I, so you don't want to you don't want to make the mistake of pronunciation. Yeah, so just no, just say Filipino. Want to protect yourself? I say Filipino, <laughs> Filipino language, <laughs> like like Filipino. we speak the white white man's language. Yeah, white, white, <laughs> white man's language. Yes, uh, so Filipino. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was nice. I jumped in did the lake a little bit. What time did you go to bed? Like 10. Mm, that's pretty late because I, I've heard, I think you told me this, that once you're yeah. outdoors, you kind yeah. of, you know, you get sleepy like past when the sun goes down. I mean, at least yeah. when you're outdoors for an extended period of, period of time, you kind of, right. your circadian rhythm starts to match the outdoors and when the sun uh, rises and when it when it falls. But I guess you guys were yeah, talking getting, getting drunk, yeah. talking. Yeah. And we had a little, little talk and then... Uh, like at ten o'clock, but then uh, my coworker is telling me that how like he he had other coworkers in the past that they would stay up all night. Oh yeah, like and then like s- sharing whiskey with other campers and stuff like that. Mm. And uh, but uh, we were just like, uh, yeah, we're both. Uh, I was like, he was like, oh, I'm so glad you you went to sleep at ten. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's like uh, uh, just uh, a product of our age. It's like. Uh, 
yeah, it's 10 o'clock is late enough. But if you're out all day, it makes you tired in any right. case. So uh, it's like a natural uh, sedative staying out late. It's but you enjoyed thing. it? Yeah, it was nice. We'll do some, uh, my wife and I will do some camping next month. We'll go to maybe to Nagano and then another place up in the mountains. Mm. Uh, it's be nice. She couldn't go yesterday because you already made plans with a colleague. Well, she had some work to do. So oh, right. Okay. Go. Yeah, yeah. She would have liked to come, but too busy. Mm. Yeah. I told you I went to touch I went to touch rugby last week after a long hiatus and mm-hmm. where to move grounds. So we found a new ground and mm-hmm. the only issue is this new ground we can only start at 12 p.m. So you can imagine uh-huh. we're in summer, yeah, playing outside where there's no shelter from the sun. Mm-hmm. Starting at 12 p.m., we're fucked, completely, utterly fucked last Saturday. And I, for some strange reason, I forgot my fucking sunscreen, mm-hmm. didn't have a hat. So I'm just mm-hmm. using my shirt mm-hmm. to shield mm-hmm. me between games. So I've just got my shirt like over me, like some fucking, yeah. like the desert, just trying right, to shield right. myself from the sun. And uh, it was terrible. I still got, I got burnt to a crisp. Uh, but, but yeah. I, um, I mm-hmm. was checking my skin uh, the last few days, even though it was painful, mm-hmm. but it wasn't peeling. Uh-huh. And I thought peeling... Skin peeling is a sign of real sunburn, but when it's not, the fact that it wasn't peeling, what does that indicate? Mm. Does that mean I that no it wasn't, was, wasn't too bad? Um, I don't know. Did it hurt? It fucking hurt like a motherfucker the next day when I had a sh- you know, when mm. I came home and mm. um, I came home late, was drinking, but uh, no peeling. I always thought um, that peeling was a telltale sign of being fucking mm, burnt, like, uh, being being um, I, a, a cause for concern with melanoma. Yeah, skin I, I don't know. I couldn't tell you either way. All I know is that if it hurts, when was the last time you got burnt? <laughs> um, really burnt, maybe a few years ago. Just being out twenty minutes or so, I was just like, "Ah, oh, fuck!" It just gets so strong. But yeah, I, I don't get like I usually take enough preventive measures. But yeah, sometimes you know you for fucking forget, and you're just like, "Ah, oh, shit." But, I told um, you I told you that uh, maybe last year, right, that I, I remember listening to a podcast about this guy who said mm-hmm. that he found like a solution to it. And he's given this advice to Irish people, like freckled, orange haired, go out in the sun and they can't avoid getting getting sunburned. But his advice oh. was, and he's a white guy, uh, I forgot his in, right. uh, real ancestry, maybe Jewish, but he said that maybe this Jewish. works. Okay. I think he, no, he, is, uh-huh. he is Jewish. And he said like okay. it works every time. He says, go out, yeah. expose your skin, as mm. much of your skin to the sun mm-hmm. for five minutes. And right. then go into the shade. And then he mm-hmm. says, after like 10 minutes, go back out. Expose another mm-hmm. your skin to the sun for another five or 10 minutes. Then come back and mm-hmm. get some shade. But he says right. that over the course of the day of doing this, uh, I forgot how how often he would do this, but he says that your skin naturally builds up the the resistance mm-hmm. to the sun. That you get like this. I mean, it's the en- it would be the envy of most fucking girls at the beach getting this kind mm-hmm. of tan. But he said that it, right. it works every fucking time. Mm-hmm. Every every person he's given this advice to, it works. You just mm-hmm. slowly, uh, deliberately get sun, and then expose mm-hmm. yourself, and then go into the shade. 
and then mm. you're you're because we're we're built to be outside, right? Right. So it makes sense. Even people in fucking Ireland and and Scotland, they rarely see right. the fucking sun. That's why they get burnt so easily when they come into uh, places like uh, you know uh, Japan, where you mm. are exposed uh, in summer. Right. But just letting your letting your body acclimatize to it, just be conditioned to it um, over the course of a, of a of a few days and then a week, and then after that you can go out for extended period of, uh, periods of time where you never have to worry about sunburn ever again. And I mm. thought, fuck, that makes a lot of sense because I remember playing touch rugby uh, uh, a few years ago when when I did build up some kind of like a, like a tan. Mm-hmm. It became extremely difficult for me to be to get burnt after that. Okay. Yeah, you've told me about that. It's an interesting idea. It makes a lot of sense. Mm. Yeah. Well, I I have uh like long sleeves that are you know, the sleeves that you put on, yeah, and a cap of sleeves, and then I'll put uh lotion on my face. It's since I'll be outside for a while, it's kind of uh you know it kind of goes against the concept of your friend going out for ten minutes. I'll, I'll do that kind of stuff, and in the winter, I'll also wear tights. So, usually, I'm most of my body is blocked off from the sun. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting idea. You know, that was the thing about another aspect of the camping that was nice. You're talking about the heat. It was uh, this lake was about 900 meters above sea level, and um, it was so much cooler than where I live. Oh my God. It woke up and it almost felt chilly. I was like, it was so nice to just not be. And I could tell, like I was driving my car back to where I live. And it was like, at one point I was on one certain stretch of highway and I was like, I'm I'm back because I had the air conditioner on in the car, but the sun was so strong that I could feel the heat coming through the window, hitting my skin just as the air conditioner was also hitting my skin. So it was like, oh, yeah, I'm back. <laughs> it's it's not uh, cool weather Speaking anymore. of the heat, I can't fucking sleep without the air con on in summer. And uh, I know it's not good for health, but I have no choice if I want to remain asleep throughout the night. Sleep is really important, and I've been missing sleep, as you know. I had to go to a sleep clinic and uh, found out that I had mild sleep apnea. Didn't have to worry so much about it. But then I found out I had a deviated septum, which took me many years to figure out. Uh, Even though I was taping my fucking mouth, which, if you've got a deviated septum, is not what you want. But I heard that taping your mouth while you slept was very beneficial to get you into the habit of breathing through your nose. But you can't breathe through your nose if you have a fucking deviated septum, can you? So, uh, so I'm looking at nasal dilators, and uh, some of them are not working properly. But yeah, I've got to get my sleep on track. But uh, how's uh, how's your sleep? Do you have any issues with your sleep? Uh, Sometimes. I normally get enough length of sleep, but the quality of sleep can vary from night to night, depending on how late I look at my phone screen or uh, get to like resting before going to sleep. That really affects me a lot. Uh, so I have to be careful about that. Um, if I if I look at stuff and I'm constantly trying to check something, I don't get enough deep sleep. And so I have to, but I notice when I, when I, 
do get away from the phone and I start reading a book or something like that before I go to sleep, then I have a lot more quality deep sleep, which uh, is uh, really important because it actually makes me feel better in the morning. It's not like the amount of sleep while sleeping, but like waking up the next day and feeling good. As you already know, like it, it, sleep can make you feel good or bad the next day. Oh, so, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, so it's it's interesting what technology we have. And it's interesting that you're going to these sleep clinics to uh, help figure things out. I mean, that's uh, really great that you have access to that kind of stuff. Do you hear about your students about their sleep patterns? Do they get enough sleep? Do you do you hear about students like uh, staying up late to watch anime or movies or television programs or? Well, it's not so much that it's studying, like, uh, and I think a lot of students are up until one or two o'clock in the morning, trying to piece together a study program that's good for them, and then wake up at four or five in the morning. Well, that's what they say. Yeah. So then they go to school and then some of them have, uh, you know, club activities and uh, they at from 7 a.m. And some of them maybe even have stuff from 630. I think it was I, I, I don't know. It's like some of these schedules are just madness. I, yeah. One, one yeah. student who said she had a an English conversation lesson at 1230 a.m. Mm. online so it was like to it's like i don't know how they're doing that kind of stuff but you know it's another thing though because they're young you know so when you're young you can do a lot more of that kind of destructive behavior and kind of get away with it for a while uh, I think it takes longer for your body to. Now it's like if I sleep two bad nights in a row, I'm like, ah, fuck. You know, it's like oh, I screwed up. But like, if you're a teenager, you can probably go weeks before, you know, your body starts telling you, you know, you better sleep well or you're gonna get screwed up. So overall, yeah, do you have yeah. a gr- good group of students? Like, yeah, you don't have so. any cunts. No, I, I think most of the students are hardworking and want to learn stuff. And uh, I think they, they all have a, a really good sense of what they need to do. I, I don't really have any complaints to say about them. They're, um, but I do have different classes, so different levels of English. And uh, but uh, so I have to tailor that, you know, what whatever it is that they their level, the content to their level, you know. Um, mm. man, but it, it's a, it's a pretty good, pretty good setup, I think. And, mm. uh, I think people, you know, students get a lot out of it. Um, whether or not they'll actually have use of English after they graduate and, you know, become, you know, uh, employees of companies, that's another story, right? I mean, it's, uh, and how much, uh, access they'll have to a second language, you know, in living in Japan is uh it's a whole other can of worms. It is sad knowing that all your efforts in helping them acquire English can in many cases go down the drain when they're mm. speaking Jap they they go into a Japanese company and they're only using Japanese. Yeah. And within the space of a very short time, 
their English ability will atrophy. Yeah. No longer exposed to it. No longer keeping up lessons on the side or English lessons, and they'll just get bogged down by the normal day-to-day drudgery of life. Yeah. Japanese life. Yeah, I think, you know, it's... I wonder... I think Japanese people like Japan. What do you think? I like Japan. Yeah. But what do you think? I mean, like... we're talking about like they use terms like drudgery and things like that. Do you think that Japanese think their lives ah, are I, I use drudgery in the sense of working for a traditional Japanese company mm-hmm. where you're expected to do zangyo overtime, mm-hmm. spend some time with the boss, uh, follow strict hierarchies where very little merit-based thinking where uh, there is very little way of you expressing individuality Mm -hmm. and you become part of the collective right and english does not feature at all right that's what i mean by drudgery i I think that's um it can be a mind-numbing experience well you and i have both worked at japanese companies Mm -hmm. i think you know firsthand what it's like to work at a japanese company yeah would you say that that's a uh for Japanese people, would you say that they derive, on on average, generally mm-hmm. speaking, um, mm-hmm. bro- broadly speaking, uh, I'm mm-hmm. sure, like you said, there are many people who love it, mm-hmm. but broadly speaking, would you say that they they actually do love it? Or is that just comfortable I, because uh, this is the country in which they live? There's a very different, there's a big difference between comfort and uh, um, having a, I don't know, a great life. It's hard to say because I, when I worked at these companies, I didn't really develop deep relationships with people. So, you know, I, I see people working hard and working together and trying to get things done uh, and thinking and, you know, the level of comfort. Uh, I'm not so sure I can use the level, the, the word comfort as this is how it is. This is what you do. You know, yeah, and so working a twelve to thirteen hour day is what you do, and this is how you get things done, and the idea that you uh, it, it, it w- and then it becomes this question of like, are are we going to constantly compare our own cultural values with the country that we live in when we're thinking about how Japanese people feel about what they're doing? I can I can go from what my wife says about working in a Japanese company but for me working in a Japanese company and see what the people do it seems like they were all dedicated and they wanted to get a lot of things done and you know all of the the hard work is part and parcel uh, of the job that they do so I and I, I can't really say anything beyond that, you know? Right. Like, yeah, it's it's really hard for me to say whether or not uh, these... Because, you know, I, I do know that a lot of uh, Japanese people, when they think about holiday time, I know the, con- see, it's the thing is, like, we think about holiday time, the concepts of, like, taking time off from work uh, quite differently from uh, what Japanese feel. Like, a lot of Japanese people think it's natural and standard for you not to take a lot of time off because when you do that you're putting un 
needed burden on your your coworkers because mm. while you're off, then they have to take over your, the responsibilities that you've left while you're gone. And so that's looked upon as being very negative. Like, why are you pawning off your job onto me so that you can go somewhere on vacation? And so people don't feel like they should because they feel as though, I okay, I want to be a good team member and I want to be able to, uh, you know, be productive in my company. So is it, but then it's like, then there's probably a certain portion of people that think that taking a holiday in the middle of a month is pointless. And maybe there's some people who do want to take a day off, but they feel like they don't want to burden their coworkers. Mm. You know, so it's it's such a I think a delicate issue, you know, to to really say okay, uh, I I you know I, I don't want to you you know it's like I feel like sometimes my own bias towards what I think is the right way to live, uh, oftentimes you know, influences how I think about Japan and, and it's, and and people and their working styles. And I think that's a little bit unfair. Well, I know from real experience working at Japanese companies and speaking to Japanese colleagues and also playing touch rugby with Japanese that Mm -hmm. there is a pecking order, which is strictly adhered to. Mm-hmm. to the detriment of people's feelings or situation and also talent. Mm-hmm. I think I've told you before about the arguments I've had with the with some Japanese uh, in touch rugby, some mm-hmm. people who tell me about or even dictate how to play certain styles and I and uh I'm always very uh accepting. I was very accepting of it. I'm like, "Okay, yeah, sure. Um let's try it this way." And then when it's not working, I say, okay, let's try it this way. Um, I, I might have a few ideas. And then I've had my ideas shut down time and time again. Mm-hmm. So I've, uh, I kept my mouth shut for a few, um, I don't know, a few months with mm-hmm. one team. I don't want to get into details about that. But I, I just remember being amazed at the arrogance, the self-righteous like um, the sanctimony on display by people who think that they understand how the game should be played, yet I know they're fucking terrible. Mm-hmm. And then I look at the impact of this. I mean, I use it as a microcosm to see how life is like in these companies. I'm like, okay, so you've got to respect people who obviously don't know what the fuck they're doing. Mm-hmm. You have no idea about your job. You have no idea about you've just got here on title alone and experience. And so once you've got this title, you've been shit on your whole life. And now it's your turn to shit on other people. Hmm. That's the way I view it. Well, I, you know, it's kind of funny. Like earlier this evening, I was uh, watching some show on Netflix called Hot and Spicy. It's about this uh, Japanese guy who lives in Osaka and he moves to Tokyo as a transfer and um, there's a scene where he is his co-worker says okay you gotta go it's a it's a a sales firm so he's trying to drum up business and um, 
his one of his senpai, one of his o- older co-workers showing him the ropes, uh, tells him to go to this one shop. And he's confronted with this crotchety old man who's like, I don't want your business. You don't know who I am, blah, blah, blah. And then uh, the next day, he he goes to the shop again. And he walks in and he says, oh, I'm sorry. I don't want to have anything to sell. This is not about work. I just noticed something when I was leaving. I noticed that you were moving your glasses up and down. So let me do something for your computer. And he increases the font size of the computer screen. So he's like, so now you can see everything much more easily, can't you? He's like, I'm very sorry that I encroached on your space. And I'm, I'm, I'm apologetic about that. I don't want any sales from you. I, I don't really care about that. And then it cuts to him leaving, the, the young salesman leaving this little shop. And the crotchety young crotchety old man uh, before the guy leaves says uh, hey why don't you give me your business card and the guy goes oh really you want you want my business card now and he's like oh okay and he gives it to him and they're like oh, so maybe I'll uh, yeah I'll, I'll give you a call and then he walks away and my wife commented ah that situation is the fantasy of all Japanese people <laughs> yeah uh, never happened yeah. <laughs> never happened in real yeah, life it's never happened in real life so i said what do you mean what is that and she mentioned this term called giddy ninjo giddy ninjo and mm. when i did a try i did a quick translation of this and it's it's not very clear because i did a google translate on it and the the rough english translation is in-law humanity and so that doesn't really really get at the cusp of it but it's this idea that you do something out of humanity not uh, not expecting anything mm. and the other person gives you something in return without you asking for it there's no obligation there's no obligation and yet mm. you're given something that you want right so that situation is the essence of what all people want. So then I asked, I that I asked my wife, okay, so is this a reality? And she's she had to pause and she said, no, I don't think so. So then mm. that's where I was like, so this is the fantasy. This is like fantasy drama. This is what people yeah. want right. out of relationships. Like right. they want people to give them things uh, that they want without saying it. Right. And and so I was like, oh, that's interesting. So this show is, even though it's about a businessman, it's about this ideal relationship that can develop where each person understands the, uh, the, the what the other person wants out of obligation. Uh, but it's all obligatory, unspoken obligation that uh, a give and take that occurs between the two people. So I was like, huh. That's something uh, I never really thought about before. What do you think about that? Yeah, it does sound like a fantasy when you're telling me about it. Yeah. Agree, I agree with your wife. Yeah. I think uh, the, the structures are so embedded in mm-hmm. society where on the surface, it's like the, it looks, it's a collectivist culture mm-hmm. where you are brought into a company and you're part of a family. You go out and you do sales or marketing or whatever job description you're given. But mm-hmm. uh at the end of the day, there's still deference you need to make to your superiors. Right. No matter what, no matter what you do, you're always at the mercy of your 
superiors, whether it be by age or rank, mm-hmm. title, or... And I'm talking about just experience in mm-hmm. uh, touch rugby. This is just one example. I mean, mm-hmm. but, but I just view it as I've just met so many cunts. Mm-hmm. So many fucking cunts. You have no idea how many cunts I've met. Like, they're, they feel like they're God's gift to this game. When, where Japan is fucking shit at my at this game where New Zealand mm-hmm. and Australia dominate. And I just find it, um, yeah, just a perfect uh, reflection on what it's what it can be like working in a Japanese company. I'm not, I'm not taking away the fact that you can feel like you are contributing to um, something greater than yourself. That's why you join organizations or companies. You share right. a, a common purpose, a vision. That's the only reason why. Of course, there's money. You want to get paid. Uh, I'm not talking about working at a convenience store. I'm talking about like actually joining a company and sharing their values and vision. But I think um, too many cases, these Japanese companies are... I feel sorry for many young Japanese coming into these companies to just get shit on. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you talk about your biases. Well, I've got my biases. How I've seen Japanese get shit on. Uh, I've been shit on by Japanese who are younger than me, who think they know uh, certain things, but they've got a title, and I've just got to adhere to a title, even though I know that they're making mistakes. But I've just got to accept it. And culturally speaking, um, it it can work. uh, Maybe has worked for Japan in the past, but I don't think it's going to be working for much longer. And you know, given that there's no lifelong employment. yeah, I don't want to end on a dour note this conversation with you. I want to something like a little more chipper. What, what's, what's something positive? Can you share share with me something positive? It's hard to suddenly go positive when we've been going down <laughs> this path. <laughs> I just think uh, there's other news that uh, I just uh, any news like I've said before. Any most news is bad news, so I won't go down that path either. Uh, that uh, my wife was telling me about something that happened about the Olympics, but I won't say anything about that. Uh, <laughs> oh really yeah um <laughs> m- more along the lines of cancel culture than anything else so i won't, won't say oh anything. yeah oh don't get me started yeah, on cancel yeah, yeah. Culture. i know Fuck. i know it's like it's almost like your your greatest triumph and your greatest hatred is this cancel culture thing um <laughs> once you start once you hear that it's like uh um i don't know my neighbors that's also weird now so i can't talk about that <laughs> um, so many things off limits now <laughs> yeah yeah it's like i can't you it's know what chipper. we should have like another free conversation soon yeah how about that yeah. is there another okay. free conversation about mm-hmm. uh how about this okay i went camping yeah. and it was really nice and there seems to be a little bit of a boom for camping and people are getting into a little bit more nature and i saw a lot of windsurfers flying through oh, uh, really? the lake yeah lots oh, of wow little, big contingent of wind servers and stand-up paddle boarders and uh, people with their families with kids coming out and there's all kinds of people from all different places oh uh, wow uh, you know and uh, I think it's uh, maybe it, since corona has hit there's been a boom of sorts for camping because it's one of the few things that you can do that <laughs> that will limit the amount of uh, you know possibility of getting this infection yeah yeah, infection so there's a lot of that going on and um i I think it's it's uh maybe opening doors for people's idea of what uh leisure is you know yeah uh, i think um 
people, man, they, they go to the T with these tents, man. Some of these freaking tents are ridiculously big and they have all the accoutrement when like Japanese, a lot of Japanese people get into a hobby. They go all out. It's like the tent with the tarp with the with this gas burner that sits on this really nice wooden counter and then like this and the, that and the, that the breaking the fire and all of the things put together so uh i think that's that's pretty good that could be positive wow. Yeah. yeah, I mean, well, we've got to go. I was gonna say we've got to go camping together, but mm-hmm. no, yeah, I'm not, not, camp- I'm not interested at all. Okay, but I would like to um at least go outside, uh, maybe sprinting with you. How about that? Yeah, yeah. How about we can okay, find yeah. a hill and let's sprint, uh-huh. let's sprint against okay. each other, okay. and after that, uh, maybe, yeah, come home, go back to your mm-hmm. house, and mm-hmm. maybe you can cook cook up a steak outside. Okay, how about that? We can do a day camp for crying out loud. A day camp, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You can just go out to a riverside and just oh, okay, barbecue, yeah. Oh, actually, that'll to, work. Yeah, you don't have to stay overnight. You can just go out to the river. Yeah, and, that's not uh, a bad yeah. idea. Let's do yeah. that and get a kite, and, uh, right? Get a yeah, kite. Kites. Hey, you know what? You got wind, uh, wind in the area. Yeah, yeah. I, I, apparently sometimes there's wind. Yeah. Um, okay. There's, uh, you know, I. Look, if you want to bring a kite, do you like frisbee? <laughs> yeah, I want a kite. I want to you bring want a, a kite. kite. Okay, yeah. bring a kite. I want um, a kite with two strings so that I can maneuver it. I don't want just one string. That's sad. I want to be able to maneuver it so that it, like, look, I can, I can bring maneuver your it so prejudices it goes on the ground. about your kite culture. <laughs> Whatever you want, bring everything and put it in a box and let it all out at the at the, at the uh, riverside. <laughs> You're, you're, you want to do diatribe on one-stringed kites versus the two-string <laughs> kite culture. Also, also my, uh, uh, speaking about my shoes, my zero shoes, uh, I, yeah. I just realized, you know that like there's an extra hole? You know the yeah. extra hole on shoes? You know what that's called? It's called, a, um, that? it's called an extra lace eyelet. Oh, yeah. Have yeah, you heard about yeah, it? Yeah. Oh, extra yeah, yeah. lace Somebody, eyelet? You want to get your heel uh lock your heel down yeah yeah so i just mm-hmm. researched that i was like you know what i want to i want to take advantage of this extra hole so i mm-hmm. I, I use it and I, and I google i'm like okay what the fuck is the purpose of this again uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and then and i and you're right it's like a heel lock yeah it definitely so it works it serves a, a purpose. lot on shoes yeah I have a, so i learned I something have, yeah there you go uh yeah it works pretty well on all the shoe i usually use those. so you always use the top the you you get yeah. all all the holes all the I mean, holes you got all yeah. the eye eyelets yeah I, all uh, the lace eyelets <laughs> all the holes Sounds all sad. the holes you get all the holes <laughs> i fill all the holes <laughs> you fill all the holes <laughs> trust <laughs> you yeah of course of course yeah. you get all the holes yeah that's right man <laughs> i fill them all up now i'm gonna use every last uh oh, i spent good money on these shoes I want to use every freaking hole there is. <laughs> every hole I could get. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on that note, well, I'll catch yeah. up with you next time.